This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here one more time. I'm the host here at Core Brain Journal, and it is a great privilege to bring these remarkably interesting people to you folks while you're driving down the road. It could be our guest is from Australia today, and that guest is going to pop right in and talk to you. Beverly Cyril is coming back one more time. Welcome, Beverly. Thank you for having me back. We're really appreciated. Beverly joined us on episode 157. I strongly encourage you to go back there and think about that one as soon as possible because that one is a great prelim for this meeting today. What we're doing today is taking that introductory meeting down the road into a completely different level of conversation regarding dissociative identity disorder. Beverly's going to be talking about DID in great detail, how she understood it, how she came to deal with it, and what she does with it. And we're going to break that apart in this episode. So previously, we were talking about um, anorexia, depression, uh, and a variety of other aspects of what, what, she, what she learned and what she does in practice, what she's researched. Uh, so let me go ahead and, and uh, give these little ad pieces real quickly, and then we'll go on and talk about Beverly in detail. So you folks already know how much we love the reality of data here at CBJ. We welcome again our true clinical friend and sponsor, Direct Health Access Laboratory, right outside of beautiful Chicago, Illinois. With over 3 million laboratory studies, they are deep national leaders of experience with the big picture of measuring, for example, methylation, cryptopyrrole, and copper challenges. You know, it's a bit of a mystery to some people, but we've been talking about it here for some time, and we hope that you can connect with DHA Labs, their global service, with a molecular focus. Run over to dhalab.com forward slash core. It's not a plural. dhalab.com forward slash core for some more information. Then, in addition, you folks also know that beyond laboratory, we're also interested in the actual type of ways that people take care of individuals, what they do. And the evolution of mind science is getting away from the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, short hospitalizations. Yeah, they work, but a lot of times they don't work. And then what do you do with an individual? They've had you know, a week or uh, 10 days, got a bunch of meds, and they go back out and they really haven't reconstructed what they need to do. So we're really happy to welcome the nonprofit Barry Robinson Center here in downtown Norfolk. It provides residential care for adolescent treatment failure, both nationally and internationally. They're TRICARE friendly. They provide the care in a family, interpersonal global level. And so take a look at barryrobinson.org forward slash core that's B-A-R-R-Y Robinson.org forward slash core for more information on what we have to, what they're, what they're bringing for you. So now I'm going to go ahead and talk to you about Beverly. Now, Beverly, as you already know, is from Australia. And as I said, we were talking about her interesting history. She said she was a late starter in the research field at 48. 
she did the re-entry exam, started university, and nine years later had equal to four, de four degrees, <laughs> master's, PhD, uh, bachelor's of uh, sociology with an honors. Uh, it's kind of broken up here, but it's a graduate certified mental health degree. So I, I couldn't read that very well because it's got a lot of periods and abbreviations. Yes. And I'm not familiar with some of them. Now you can tell us later on if you want to. But, but she studied everything she could on childhood trauma and abuse. This is the bottom line. This is what the deal is. She went to conferences, international speakers appeared and spent seven years volunteering in mental health organizations. And then she got on to a whole different level of understanding personality theory called psychosynthesis. That's right. By, by Robert Asiglioli. Roberto Asiglioli, an Italian man. Italian man. I got that. <laughs> yeah. Pronounce his last name again for us, Beverly. Asiglioli. Asiglioli. Yeah. And he's, uh, we have references on that first, and we're going to have yes. references on the show notes here. And she then ran into, met a woman running the Psychosynthesis Center of Southern Australia and explained Asagioli's theory, and they put the whole business together with personality theory and the latest on PTSD, limbic system trauma, and all the research that's done on PTSD, which is directly related to DID, dissociative identity disorder. So that's a brief intro. She's had a lot of experience. And Beverly, tell us a little more about yourself. I kind of goofed that up because of the um, uh, abbreviations there. Tell us about your education and how you came to do what you're actually doing now. Well, why I went to university is that I had a diagnosis, well, a wrong diagnosis to start with. Uh, I was classed as being a histrionic personality disorder, a heavy medication and said, this is the rest of your life. And you're not allowed to go out in the sun when you take this medication. You can't eat the favourite Australian food, Vegemite, and, you know, I'm Australian. I'm not allowed to go out in the sun, get real. So um, I said they couldn't help me. I went and asked 15 psychiatrists and government organisations. They said, don't, can't help you. So I said, I'm going to learn myself. That's when I sat the exact, um, adult re-education ex uh, exam and got in. And that's where my study uh, went. And I, the seven years I spent in DISA, the Dissociative Identity Disorder Society of South Australia, is that, I was home support, telephone support, ran the support group, ended up being CEOs. So I've been in people's homes. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? You know, and absolute, you know, 80 hours a week supporting and helping people. A vast experience because you can't get this out of a book. You need to be able to, you know, why do people clean their bathrooms a certain way? You know, how do they get, if they're a five-year-old personality out, how do they get their kids to school? So um, you learn all these things. You learn to watch for the, the, the flick into another personality, which I'll demonstrate, explain. So, Well, hold on just I've a got, second, because that sounds like a remarkable, I just want to tease that apart a bit. It sounds like a remarkable amount of direct clinical experience with yes. DID. I mean, yes. and that whole thing that you did for all those years, were they only doing DID? I was, no, I uh, volunteered in the Schizophrenic Fellowship as well, and I volunteered in a women's uh, community centre and ran groups for depression, anxiety, stress. But most of it was on DID. I, right. it, the desperate, you know, the importance was I had to get well. 
Yeah, that sounds so interesting because every one of those homes that you went into would be opening another door. Yes. So go ahead and tell us a little more about that. So how, this is a, an important thing because we've had some other people talking to me about, about DID and I think it's important for us as clinicians to share how can a person know that that's either their problem or it's a problem that somebody has that's close to them and they can't figure out what's going on. Could you talk to, to that point a little bit? Can, can I step in first, uh, sure. Chuck? And the, the problem is there's so many conflicting opinions out there that um, you're told by professionals, like in my university lecturers said that it was so rare you'll never meet anyone. When I was volunteering in the Schizophrenic Fellowship, Irene from the education uh, part, she said, oh, whenever I give a talk, I have the first thing I say is schizophrenia Split personality is not multiple personalities, so there's an absolute mix-up there. I mean, one of my sister-in-laws, um, one of my brothers has DID. Uh, there's three out of the five of us. And um, she says, oh, he shifted into that child personality. And in the next breath, she said, well, that's schizophrenia. So there's such a mix-up with it. So, uh, and other people say, oh, you can act it out if you want to. You know, it's not real. Other people say the jury's out. You know, they haven't proved it yet. So what I'm going to do is I've written um, an e-book, which I'll be giving away to everybody. First of all, we're going to say prove it exists because that's the main thing. So um, the, the only... It does exist. It's not the figment of somebody's imagination yes. making things up. And we're there are plenty up. of authorities that agree that this is a verified, very clear disorder that has certain aspects to it that if you don't pay attention, to what's actually going on with this disorder. You're going to be throwing meds at people and nobody's going to get better. It's just no, going to be a long... They'll never get well. Yeah. And they're, they're sick for life, which is a very, very bad thing to have to do. So all this research I've got here is in the book, so I'm not going to go into detail on it. It's in the e-book. I've got all the references there so you can look it up. Colin Ross is an expert on um, DID. He did the, um, I believe, the only epidemiological study Dissociation is 10% of the population. DID is 1.3%. So that's equal to schizophrenia or anorexia. So mm -hmm. they're out there. I mean, the DSM-5, it's in there. Um, we have proof, you know, it wouldn't be in the DSM-5 if it didn't exist. I'm also putting the uh, dissociative experience scale. I'm putting that in the... Um, appendix so people can look at it and oh thank you very much people really right. appreciate yeah. that that's going to be a very very interesting piece of so uh, material going we to have it. everything in this book to have a look at it that's fantastic. now what's fascinating is that um they've taken pet scans of um different personalities in a person's head and i've got pictures there of two different people with three different personalities and you can see that the actual pets, the scans, the energy of the brain, the brainwave pattern changes for each personality. So mm -hmm. there's actually pictures demonstrating that's in the book. And then there's been a study in Australia um, by, um, I can't pronounce it, um, Coriolio, uh, Swinburne University. That's in there as well. Now, he did a fascinating one because this is when they say you can act it out. A person can play up and act out. He had five DID people with three different personalities each, and then he matched them up with five um, actors. Um, and what he got the, the actors to do, it, methodology um, actors, and what he got the actors to do was study the three different personalities so he could imitate them. 
so he had the DID people on the EGs and he traced all their brain patterns and then he got the actors, the method actors, to act out like the um, DID sub-personalities, uh, like a child, adult, a male or whatever. And he proved that the brainwave patterns don't change in the actor, but it does in the DID. And he says it's a way you can actually diagnose a person using the EEG to diagnose. Mm. So I felt that was fascinating. Yes, so indeed. that's all in the book. So what gets me is why isn't accepted? Why have we got so much um, uh, backlash that it doesn't exist? So rare. You never meet anyone. You know, why is it? The only thing I can, one of the main things um, I came up with is the uh, backlash of Freud. You know, he put women's issues back 100 years. You know, he, he first got the theory right, as you probably know, Chuck, that his histrionic um, clients, when he took it to um, a seminar and talked about it, he was laughed at, that this is a result of child abuse. And because some of his clients were daughters of his peers, so they weren't going to accept it. So he changed it, uh, his theory. He recanted it. But um, in my, when I was doing my thesis in the late 1990s, uh, the, one of the researchers I found was a, a woman went into a psychiatrist and said, um, my father and my brother sexually abused me when I was a child. And the psychiatrist turned around and said, you must have hated your father and brother to make them do this to you. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So... It's oh only till the 1970s when the feminism came in and the women jumped up and down and said, we are having sexual abuse. This is happening to us. It's not a complex from Freud. This is actually happening. And they started investigating it from the women's viewpoint because up until then, as you know, Chuck, most of the research was done with, by male psychiatrists mm -hmm. and on males because women had hormone problems and they believed they didn't, wouldn't become true in their studies. Well, just to say that a little differently, just for our audience, because you're saying a lot of things that are very important, and I just want to amplify on one point, because a lot of people don't, you say Freud, and they, they don't know Freud, okay? So what, what is going on, what Beverly is saying, folks, is that Freud had this whole idea that the people lived in their unconscious, that they had certain dreams and fantasies and wishes that were either... Uh, that were in their imagination. They were not real. They were things like the Oedipus complex. You know, they really wanted to marry their father and because they were disappointed that they couldn't marry their father, they would have a frustration or whatever. And, and so what happens is Freud made the point that this was all unconscious. What Beverly is saying, it took a long time in psychiatry post Freud for people to say, no, these traumatic events occurred in reality. Now, and there's still a debate about what's real and what's imaginary, you know. And I think the issue that's so important about talking with Beverly, and, and Beverly, please correct me if I'm wrong, is a person like Beverly is going to separate reality from fantasy. Because in the process of working with the way Beverly is working, uh, she's going to actually come to grips, a person is going to come to grips with the reality of their life, not the imagination. Well, the imagination, yes, but they separate them. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. So it's not in our imaginations that this is happening. It's real. See, um, I think another of the main problems is, is that it's not in the protocol of psychologists and counsellors and that to actually test for it. 
Um, did you test for DID when you were in practice, Chuck? I not only didn't test for it, it was not, it was not really trained. We, we looked at it as an, a disorder that was extremely distant, and we wouldn't see it. And I wasn't in my career until I was in practice for several years where, wherein I actually saw a patient who was suffering with this. I'm like, oh, my gosh, here's a whole other thing. I've had yes. this numerous times in my career, Beverly. Here's a, yes. here's a whole other thing that I don't know anything about. Oh, my gosh, here we are. It's yes. one of the reasons I'm doing these because I'm in the same shape you're in. You know, yes. both of us are from different countries, different worlds, but both of us had transformational experiences when we realized the limitations of what we've been taught. And yes. so when you do that, then you come out and say you have a different mind because you saw the pain and suffering and you saw the limitations of these advanced skills that you had, whether it's psychotherapy or psychopharmacology something isn't right, and if it isn't right and you can't do what would be perceived by everybody as good traditional work, which it doesn't, work. <laughs> if it doesn't work, then what do you do? Do you just say, hey, I can't help you, or do you take it down the road and, and, and come up with other, other ideas and other uh, conceptual frameworks in which to put a therapeutic uh, project together? And unfortunately, the way they um, treat uh, it in the sector is – they expect you to um, meet and identify every personality and who they relate to and what's involved. And they say the average um, time of treating a person, uh, and it's very difficult, they say, to treat somebody with DID. And a lot of them um, who do do it only take one or two clients because it's so complex and difficult and emotional draining. It's anything up to 10 years. One to three therapy sessions a, a week for 10 years. Sounds and like psychoanalysis. Yes, it's too long. It's too long. Well, let's say what you said again. Let's tease it apart because you said some important things that we need to just break apart and get on. So the theory of the way you deal with it, and many people practice this technique, this theory, is reworking every single one of the identities. Yes, and the trauma. And the trauma of that identity. Yes. It's heartbreaking. It's too hard. Yeah, I've, I, I can tell you some very sad experiences I had with a woman who was, who yes. was gang raped and in a hospital before I got there and I could see what was going on. They were having her attempt to relive the rape in front of everybody to somehow uh, have a healing experience with this. It was an amazingly bad situation, yes. which I, I intervened upon immediately. This was, but this is all the way. You know, this is in the 80s. I mean, it should this kind of thing should not have taken place. No. So um, I think there's also a bit of politics behind um, not letting people know about it because there's so much. I mean, the biggest money-making thing in the, in the world is human trafficking. So you've got the pedophile rings and you've got the cults using children and handing them on. So they don't want people getting well because they've got them all you know, programming to do it. So that's uh, why I've come to this second uh, part is, did you know there's two types of DID? No, I didn't. Let's right. talk about it. Right. So what you've got is the reactive. This is the, the child at three being sexually abused. And 90%, it's mostly a female disorder, and 90 over 90% is child abuse, sexual abuse. So um, I've only met one person of the hundreds of sub-personalities I've met who was, who, 
did not was not sexually abused to create the disorder. So it, it's over 90%. So three years old, uh, they're being sexually abused. There's no one there to help them. So they have to split off and um, create somebody's going up into the ceiling and watch as it happens. So they react to it. And the structure, and then because once you learn to um, react, to disassociate, you do it over and over. It's a learned technique. And the structure, the every DID has a system. It's the system is like a village where you have the different personalities. So um, I call it a system. So when I talk about systems, you'll understand uh, what I'm talking about. So this system has to be a, is in a picture form. And when you have a look at it, it's set up by a three-year-old. So it could be structured on fairies in the bottom of the garden or a pop-up book because it's a three-year-old doing, making this, um, the system. It's a little bit all over the place, and um, but you can work with it. There's and it's a structural work. system of uh, internal protection. Yes, that works so it's reactive by a child. Now, the other type of DID is your structured um, person. That is person who's in a pedophile ring, a cult, where she, they're deliberately tortured, hypnotized, drugged to create the personalities. And then the adult who's running it and doing it structures the system. So they divide it into set personalities and what roles they are to have and what they do. And they give them a trigger word or something where they can, they can use the word or the sound and the personality comes out fully trained. That's a structured system. It's easier to work with because it's been structured by an adult. So there's more sense in there, more, um, as you say, structure into it. Well, they had, they had a healthy foundation for a while before they got into the yeah. situation. So they had a certain measure of maturity, even though it was a diminished measure, but it was still a certain level of maturity where, whereupon they could look at themselves more no, it's getting a little bit wrong there, Chuck. It's, it's okay. structured by an adult onto a two or three-year-old child. Oh, I did get so that they, wrong. Okay. Yes, okay. so they torture uh, the child. See, that's, that's oh my system. Oh, my gosh. That's, uh, that's, that's not unimaginable. Uh, that's, yeah. yeah, at three years old, uh, my mother nearly died, and I was looked after for six weeks by the paternal grandparents, and he was a Satanist and a pedophile. And he had me for uh, six weeks and he systematically tortured me in six different ways and created six different structures and systems and they were given names and would we, he could make a sound or say a word and he had that fully trained personality to come out and do whatever he wants. That's, oh, that's unbelievable. That, that, that happened to you? Yes. So can you oh see my, my drive, my passion? Because I find out I've got this in my 40s and I'm having all these flashbacks and no one can help except for heavy drugs. So um, it's, a, it's easier to work with a structured person because you know that um, an adult has structured it, so there's more logic in it. But the, uh, oh, yeah, I see what you're the um, as you can understand that, but the abuse is more horrific. horrific. So, um, because it's more malevolent. It's more... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So um, how can you tell if you've got a DID client? There's, there's things you can watch for. Or listen to people with uh, DID usually call themselves we they don't say I do this or I've done that they say we did this so that's a sign of dissociation so that's one thing you listen to that's a hint now, it, the other thing is um, you don't look in mirrors you mean the, the DID person won't look in a mirror no mostly won't look in mirrors I never looked in mirrors 
because what, you're not what's the, the reasoning on that please i'm sorry to you're, not, you're not the person in the mirror so i'll give you an example i had my dave here dave who was a six-year-old very strong personality very a lot of very good skills um i accidentally looked at myself in the mirror and we burst into tears he said we're old we're going to die and he sobbed his eyes out because he was six believed he was six and he looked in the mirror and saw a 50 year old woman who looked like grandma who was an abuser so that didn't help uh and the other a lot of the times they put their makeup on were just looking at a part of their head face so it's another thing you kind of ask in a casual conversation the other thing is when you start studying a person you'll see a click behind the eye and you can feel a mood shift and and you, you probably have noticed this in you know day-to-day -day people they they change their moods and but with a um, person with did it's it's more distinct well say that again what's the click behind the eye that oh, you... you see a, a, a shift in the eye oh what, eye what tell me describe it a little more so we can picture it okay so you're looking at the person and then you see a shift in the eye like a click or a blink and i call it a click but so they do a distinct blink uh, or they look away a bit then come back with like a little bit of a click and um they've shifted to another personality and you'll feel that the energy coming off of them that you've got somebody different there wow yeah i mean now, I have, uh, i'm sorry yeah. go ahead. Right, please go i ahead. had a woman uh come to learn my work and she said well i might trigger and i said that's all right that's what i'm trained for so in the midst of um doing the, the training she was a counselor and was having psychotherapy she triggered and she became a little child on the floor and everyone in the group could see it's a child here so i took her out and worked with her and i said to her asked her a few point and questions and um i said do you realize that you have did and she said oh that's that's incredible because she said i do this in front of my psychiatrist or psychologist i think she was seeing both and they say oh you're very young today it's not even in their protocol to give them the test Mm. If they just gave them the DES, they could tell they dissociate. So here you have as a five or six-year-old child personality sitting on the floor, and the psychologist, psychiatrist is not recognizing it. That is an amazing point. That is definitely an amazing point, that they would get so regressive that this would happen. Now, I'm going to ask you a, a, a head question, and I apologize, but it's the, you know, the psychiatrist and me coming out a little bit because this is, evocative maybe i'm trying to put too much structure on this conversation but what are the percentages of individuals that you've seen regarding the reactive one and the structured one do you you can you give us an idea of your own personal experience with the uh, preponderance of one or the other i can't give you percentages um that's one study i haven't done uh, most of the people when I met were reactive, but there were a couple of structured in it. So you just be aware of it. Yeah. So the then and you just got to, in other words, when you're doing an evaluation and beginning to really get to know the person, oh, it'll come out. entertain the possibility that it was a structured, uh, more malevolent traumatic experience. Well, once the person says they were used in a pedophile ring or mm. grandpa, uh, uh, was a Satanist and used me in a cult. Well, you know, it'll be a structured, mostly likely a structured system. So yeah, that was that was the kind of person that turned me around right there because yeah. a person was worked with uh, with a Satanist. 
Yes. And 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 I was like uh, dumbfounded because I'd never yes. seen anything like that before. And uh, then how to put that person back together got to be yes. uh, 1.3% in the epidemiological study has DID. And when you're having a look at um, like your, your government statistics, 5% of children are sexually abused, then you've got alcoholic parents, then you have accidents and other traumas. So the fact that you've got a 1.3% is not surprising. I mean, mm -hmm. what does a child do? Uh, usually up before the age of seven, this has to happen. So it's, so what you're getting is the misdiagnosis, schizophrenia, because they're not in touch with reality and they're hearing voices. You've got borderline personality disorder, which mm -hmm. is misdiagnosed a lot because they do shift into different mood states. And if they did the DES test, you'd find out for sure whether they're DID or not. Mm. And the other one is bipolar with rapid cycling. Yeah. So um, anyhow, let me talk, tell you about some case studies I've got. This is the, this is the really interesting thing, how my work, my process, the um, your mind, vision, mind works with a person with DID. This is great. Now, let me let me interrupt for a second because I want you to tell me about one case, and I'm going to tell you about a question I'm going to ask after you tell about one case, because I also, while we're still on the subject of differentiation, would like you to answer what the differences are differences are in the approach of the actual taking care of the person. But first of all, let's do this one case, and then we'll come back and ask this question in just a moment. Okay. Right, so um, this is in my book, Reading to I, which you'll probably put the URL there. But I've got the woman's permission to use her name and photographs, so it's okay. So we have Barb, 40-ish, um, attended um, the group I was running, and then I started working. Um, she saw I was getting well over a period of time, and um, when I was running the group, I believe in education and empowerment. So every lecturer, every conference I went to, I'd come back and say, this is what they're learning about DID, what, this is what's happening. So when they saw me applying psychosynthesis to myself and starting to get well, uh, Barb and another woman said, we want to do your work and videotape it so you can give it to the world. So these are brilliant, wonderful women. So Barb was misdiagnosed um, as a child as being retarded and she was a um, neglected mother and she was adopted out to alcoholic parents. And this is the first and only woman I've ever known who didn't have sexual abuse. She had the other horrors in there. So when I started working with Barb, the main thing is that we need the inner self helper. You, you'll find this in working with DID. They talk about the inner self helper. This is a part of you who's been with you for life and knows everything about you. Now I've applied this because you have a home in the head and um, you know, you make it safe and happy, the first five steps of my work. And you go, after you've done these steps, you knock on the door to find out who's living there. Now, what we're looking for and I'm asking for is the housekeeper. I've used the term housekeeper instead of inner self-helper. So you find instantly within the first or second session, I have got the inner self-helper or the housekeeper, who then is your best friend counsellor for the rest of your life. So... Um, and this is the beauty. People who do DID can start, look for two years or more to find the inner self-helper because once you've got that one, you can work with the system so easily. So Barb's inner self-helper was a personality called Shelby. Now, Barb's system was a beautiful system. There was only one in there who wanted to um, kill herself. And as Barb said, 
she wanted to, she was so depressed she wanted to sell her, throw herself under a bus. And this is a classic saying from Barb. She said, if she goes, we all go. So if one personality tries to commit suicide, they all go because the body dies. So we got this one healed first. So the beauty of Shelby was that she would come out and she'd say to me, um, Beverly, Barb needs to get well. And, and I'd make a suggestion, we're doing such and such and such and such. And she'd say, right. And she, like a, a time I would go there, she'd say, um, Barb's having some problems. Can you work with this with her? And I said, fine. And then she'll say, oh, there's a subpersonality in problems. Can you work with that one? So she was directing me who was having problems in the personality system because she knew all about it. And uh, I talked to her about getting all the personalities in a safe and happy room uh, in the protected area where the father and no one else can come in and do it. And I said, could you do that when Barb's asleep? She said, yes, I'm already doing it. So Barb thought she only had about 10 personalities. She actually had a lot more. She never met them because Shelby was doing the healing while she was asleep. She was meeting and healing them. So when you have this inner self-helper, this housekeeper, which I put in for all my work, because everyone's got one, you've got somebody on side and the person can get well within months. My um, track record with DID is three months stable. And then um, depending on what they want to do, most don't want to integrate, which they is the standard way because they say integration is killing off a personality. So there's resistance. Barb didn't want to integrate we got everyone safe and happy she got her life back and then after a week or so i get the phone call and um it found when i talked to shelby she said barb doesn't have all the life skills she didn't want to integrate because she said they'd all get killed off so i talked to barb and i talked to shelby together because you can do this co-conscious and i said um what's that term pro-conscious co-conscious oh yes. co-conscious what do you mean by that Co-conscious means that, is, uh, that you're always there. It's the observer state. So oh. Barb is always, um, like I'm always there. When I was working with my personalities, um, I forced co-consciousness on me because I wasn't allowed, going to let any of my personalities go out and do things without my permission. So it took me three weeks and I forced co-consciousness on me. I stated- so Co-conscious is your, your authentic real self. Is there. Watching and yourself doing things. So you, yes. and, you have to have yes. a consciousness of who you are watching yes. these other guys do what they're doing. Okay. Yes. So I could, they would come out and do things, but I could watch it. Gotcha. So if they were doing something inappropriate, I could step in. So um, that's what um, I did with Barb. And I do with all my DID clients, clients because you're getting control of the system. Everyone's getting safe and happy. You're getting control. So... What we did with Barb, she said, I don't want to integrate. You're going to kill parts of me off. And I said to her, Barb, we'll do a blending. We'll find out, and I asked Shelby to do this, we'll find out how many have got your skills and then we'll blend just those together. And she was scared of the whole sex um, process. So I said to Shelby, when Barb's asleep, have a director's meeting in her head and find out who's got the skills and who are willing to blend together to go into Barb to give her the life skills so she can have a happy and healthy life. So I called back within a few days and spoke to Shelby and Barb and they decided on five. So I, and Barb said, but you're killing them off. You're killing them off. I said, no, we're not. 
Ike's, they're blending, they're joining with you. So I said, I will come in at least once a week and check with you and talk with you because I knew these ones and I knew the way they talked and I knew their mannerisms. So I'd call in every week and we'd have a coffee and we'd do mat I'd talk about things that was going on in a life. And I would see the mannerisms. And I'd say, there you are, Barb. That's such and such. She's not being killed off. She's becoming you. And she understood the process. So Barb took about six months to do the blending because she didn't want to do it in a hurry. And she got her, all her schools back. She's got a life. She's got a boyfriend for the first time in her life. She's doing the things she wants to do. And at the end, I said to her, you've got your life back, Barb. And she said, no, Beverly, I never had a life. You've given me my life. And oh we had a big gosh. and a bit of a cry. <laughs> oh, I guess so. That's a big, big deal. Yes. Well, let, me, um, let me stop you right there because I'm looking at the time. And this is so darn interesting. I mean, we could talk for two hours about this. Yes. We get this little midsection in. We'll just do it real quickly. And we'll go back to two questions. I want to hear the rest of the story of Barb. And then I want to ask this other question before we close. So uh, what we're going to do is two questions. One is what happened to Barb? We did, I'm cutting you off and I apologize. But yes, we'll get this that's all right. And then the other one is we want to find out what the differences are in terms of how you approach a structured person versus a reactive person. And so we'll come back and ask those questions in just a moment after a brief break here. Well, folks, you know, as well as I do that psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medication trials, and those very, very brief hospitalizations may prove insufficient to deal at home with the complexity of troubled children and, and those adolescents from 6 to 17 years old. Improved care, those next mandatory steps, should include a more comprehensive approach to address those multiple levels of challenges, from family to peers to school, diagnostically from defiance to depression, on every level for families including military families internationally. The Barry Robinson Center's 32-acre open college-like campus in Norfolk, Virginia, provides safety and security and clean, comfortable living. How do we know? We refer folks over there all the time, strongly endorse what they're doing. So for further information and informed interview, connect at this page, barryrobinson.org forward slash core. Well, you folks already know that here at Core Brain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful, cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrol challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's dhalab.com forward slash core. Beverly, thank you so much. Let's go in and really find out what happened with Barb. I mean, we're into this. It's amazing. I 
think about having these conversations with multiples. I mean, that is a skill set that very few people have. I mean, I, I mean, I can't imagine myself doing it. I think I'm pretty good, but I, I would have to, I would really have to get a much more aware of how to manage those boundaries with relationships with other people. Uh, all, all in one conversation it sounds amazing. So what did happen to Barb? How did that work out? She did get better, you were saying. Yes, and she, she got really great better. Hmm? And the, um, the vending finished. She joined, um, uh, she was um, very, got very involved with her local church. She got on the choir and she did the support, you know, doing home support, going and visiting people and talking to them when they were sick in bed. That type of thing. She joined Life, Life Be In It, which is an um, organization here where you go on day trips and overnight trips. She has a life. What, she, what her whole life was, and especially about the last 15 years, her father, um, her mother died, and the father bought this little one room flat with a kitchen and one room, and he did build another little room onto it, but she sat in the corner of that one room all day, every day and treated terribly and considered an idiot. Oh and that's gosh. where she stayed for 15 odd years. Oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. Yes, horrible, horrible. When he died of a heart attack, she jokingly said to me, all the neighbors looked at me uh, strangely as if I'd killed him because they knew I hated him so much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, um, and so she got well and had a life and I was, I was that pleased for her. So, um, and the privilege of helping people to get their life back and get well and reach out because you've got all these wonderful skills in these people, but they can't act, can't do it. They're divided amongst all these different um, personalities. I've got a couple more um, experiences of people with DID. Now, you were asking the question of the difference you work with with the structured or reactive. Yes, it's, the same, it's the same process. Oh, it is. Okay. So well, that solves that question. Yeah, yeah. You're just being aware you're dealing with more children or um, more instability, so you, you work with it. It's My work is a nine-step formula, and you go through the formula with everyone. So you're working the same with them. So you're meeting and healing the different ones, oh, finding yes. them, because they, um, they hide. They live off-site. They don't want to live in the, the home in the head or live in the person's brain. They're off-site so that they can't be touched. Some of them are out in the universe because they've just disappeared. So you find them. And um, it's a wonderful thing to be able to help someone get well. Oh. I'll give you some examples. Of, Please. Uh, a person with multiple personalities, their hair, when you see them shift, especially if they're doing a shift, like a big shift from one main one to another one, their hair can go straight or curly, their eyes can change colour, they can grow two inches taller, their voice changes. Um, really? You have, yes. You have funny, yes. Their you eyes have, change colour? Yes. Voice changes, they can grow two inches taller, their hair can go um, straight to curly. It's incredible. Hmm. Um, I have male personal. I had male personalities and I was helping my mentor who helped me through university. We were doing some gardening and she'd accidentally stat, uh, stood on an ant patch. So they came up into the groin, you know, up into a hip and everything, and they were biting her. So she, you know, pulled everything down, got the ants and, uh, in front of me, because, you know, and um, killed the ant. And then she had another ant bite her, because they're all down her leg and everything, so she was getting them, and uh, she turned her back on me. And I said, what's going on? She said, Beverly, your voice changed to a male. 
And she said, I knew there's a male there, so I wasn't doing this sort of thing in front of you. And we both laugh our heads off about I'll it. Be so you could tell. You could tell, you know, you can it's there. Because she was undressed and she was in front of you. Yes. And then you, you actually it. had a shock watching it. You depersonalized. Uh, it wasn't a shock. It was you just took it, you know, what she was doing, you know. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't that, notice what you, you're. Yeah. You're. You're qualifying that because you didn't feel anything. You just this other person came out. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. The male voice came out and gotcha, she said, you, gotcha. "You're a male," because she knew I was. Because she worked with me for about ten years, she knew a lot about my different personalities and everything. She said, "Beverly, a male personality's there. Your voice deepened. You're not looking. <laughs> I'm not doing it in front of you." So we had to laugh about it. Oh, but it, it's just so heartbreaking. You have to have a, you have to laugh about it on some levels. It helps you cope. But yeah. I mean, I had um, um, I'll give you if you'd like. I'll give you some examples of what happens. Um, I had a woman come. I only saw her three times. Uh, every time she uh, had a breakup in a relationship or something bad happened, the main one who was in control would go down because she wasn't coping. And they'd throw up another one who they classed as the birth person, and that one was called Jane. And what they used to do, Jane was, I, I met Jane once, and she said, I said, where do you live in the head of this person? And she said, I'm in a dark, stinky sewer with rats climbing all over me, and I'm filthy. And I said, that's where you live? I, and she said, yes. I said, well, let's get you out of here and into a beautiful place. But the heartbreak of Jane is that when they threw her out to run the life because the others weren't coping, the others, one main one, would get angry with her. She should be doing this. And she would cut the body. Now, when um, a person with multiple personalities self-injures, the personality doing it doesn't feel the pain. So they can do anything they like to the body and they don't feel the pain. It's another personality that takes the pain. Now, this woman went to the only DID clinic we have uh, in a private hospital in Brisbane and they took all her blades off of her when she went in because she was cutting. This woman's body, she showed me, her whole torso, all her legs and arms were cut about an inch apart. Hundreds and hundreds of cuts. Wow. So when she went into the uh, dissociative clinic in Brisbane, they took her razors off of her, which they do. So she showed me her arms. So you know what she did to punish Jane because Jane wasn't looking after things properly? She got the tea bags straight out of the boiling water and put them on her arm. And she had a row of uh, burn marks up her arm as the punishment to this one not doing it, getting it right. So this is the heartbreak of the system. That's so um, the woman got a new partner and things came good and she shifted and I never heard from her again. So this is what you can come up against. I mean, when I was in the group once, because we were the only one in South Australia, people would come 100 miles to attend the group. And a woman came in and she said, well, she said, I'm the mother personality and I haven't been out for weeks, so I don't know who's looking after my, flush, my children. So you have the different roles. Your children know what's got, know there's different people and different uh, people there. So, Say what you um, just said. Say that again. Say your you little children um, know they can feel that the um, the they can feel the shift in the parents because they're sensitive. Children are, and they know they know there's a child in there playing with them. They know that there could be an angry one, and they run out and get out of the way. So 
your children can recognize it. So this woman had different personalities and one was the mother personality and she wasn't around. She wasn't out. So somebody else in her system was looking after her children. So um, this is the instability of, you know, how, who was looking after her flesh and blood children and what was happening to them. Did you find out? No. I only saw for the um, two hours in the group. So she, um, and I wasn't working my, that was just one of the examples I had. So when you've got the different personalities coming out, each with a different role, and sometimes it could be a five-year-old out trying to cut the kids' sandwiches and doing things, and they've got um, flesh and blood children older than the personality doing it. So you need to get the sub-personalities in the safe and happy home and have the ones who aren't old enough. I have a ruling anyone under the 18 stays in the children's section unless they've got an important um, ability or school which the adults would want in their life. So they have a choice. Do you want to stay a kid, you know, have uh, horses out the back or a teddy bear or whatever being looked after by a nurturing person there? Um, no one can get you. You're safe. You're happy. Uh, or do you want to grow up a little bit and be involved in the life? So the, each personality has a, has a choice. Mm. So, um, and that way you systematically go through. A lot of times when I'm working with them, when you get there, um, see, we have a gate and a fenced area because you've got to have a safe, happy and home because you don't have a safe mind. And safety is one thing a lot of kids don't have. So your mind has to be safe and happy. So when I used to get to the gate with this uh, personality I was working with, she said, oh, they're all lined off, up, ready to come in. They've seen this wonderful house. They want to move back in. So they help. You've got the um, housekeeper, the inner self-helper, giving you advice, telling you needs to be worked on, works with you when um, you're not there. So within usually three months, the system's stable. And then they decide what they want to do, whether they want to blend or um, have... I had one woman who went to three personalities and stayed at that, her decision. She's in the book as well, that woman. So, now say um, this again, because I want to catch you. You're, you're so used... You're actually talking... German, I'm not familiar with. Oh, it. it's just, yes, so it's, gonna, uh, I want to, I want to it's clarify a point because <laughs> I was following you with the crowd, and then you talked about the gate, and oh, yes. I didn't know if it was a metaphoric gate inside the person, oh, no. or you were um, actually leaving, and there was a fence, and you had to go through the gate to get uh, out of it. Okay, in my process, the first thing you do is you have. Um, decide on a beautiful place in the world you want to live and then you get in a plane and fly and land there and then you bring in the five senses to make it stronger as you know the subconscious mind if you visualize it believes you're literally there that's why meditation and those things work yes so you go up and find the home where your subpersonalities live it's a guided visualization i take you through it you walk around the home to make it three-dimensional and then you come back to the plane and then from the plane you run a fence around your whole property with only one gate to go in and out. And that gate is kept shut at all times. And that gate has a security that only you have. Eye recognition, thumbprint, voice, a key. Well, just a second. Key. You said something there. Where is that house located? Is that the good house with a gate around it? And the, and the, yes. yes. That's, okay. that's, the, that's the home you set up as a child. I missed that because I got the airplane, airplane and I thought they were going someplace else. Yeah, no, they go to the retreat. Okay. To the home to find their, because um, you want it to be beautiful where you find your home. And then once they get there, then they go through it, they establish it, and then they uh, put a geography on it. 
Yes, they come back and put a fence around it and a gate. So I understand. that's the way okay, you can you. go in and out. And that's, that means it's safe. Yes, now I get you can it. Do There's all sorts of things you do. I do do a free healing session where I actually give the first two steps to people who come on the webinar. So we'll, we'll get, um, give that, it's free to everyone and we'll give the um, website details where people can book in and hear it. So oh, um, good, good. So, um, you know, it's heartbreaking having the disorder when a, we call it a system blowout. When something big happens, you have a structure in your head. You have some form of system, which is a little bit dysfunctional, but you've got a system in your head. But when you have what we call a, a blowout and um, the personalities are going in and out all the time and there's no structure in there, it's uh, that's when it gets really bad. I remember one woman telling me she had teenage children and when her system blew out, one of her teenagers sat down in front, stood in front of her, yelled at her, where's my mother? I want my mother back. You bring my mother back because the mother personality wasn't there anymore. So, you know, there's a lot of heartbreak in this disorder. And um, mm. the being able to get these people well and stable within three to six months is just incredibly great. And when you've got an internal counsellor in there working with you, and doing things when you're not there, it makes life so easy. And the person gets well quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it trivializes it to talk about guided imagery because this is so complex because, you know, with guided imagery, and I, I, we talked in our last conversation that I had done some guided imagery, and there are aspects of it that are somewhat like guided imagery. Yes. But the issue is this is so mark, so much more complex than guided imagery because – it is, it is, in a way, guided imagery, but it's not as simplistic as guided imagery no, is. No. With just one advisor, you got, you got all kinds of personalities in one human being, yes. and you're trying to look at their relationships, and actually, you're doing family therapy. Yes, you're literally doing. See, the thing is, the guided imagery we're working with is in the limbic system, where all your damaged personalities, subpersonalities are trapped in um, their trauma, uh, because, as I said before, the limbic system doesn't have language and it doesn't have time. So that's why the, a lot of your person, personalities are three or five or seven, because they're trapped and still believe it's going on. Like when my, a lot of my young personalities come out, because um, I was co-conscious and I could see and feel them, and they'd look around and say, where's Grandpa, where's Grandpa? Because, they still, because they're locked away at five or seven, they don't realise you fit 30, 40 years later, and he's dead. I actually went to his grave and I snapped the picture and put it in my head so I could throw, throw it. See, he's dead. There's his grave. So I mm. could show, show them that they were now safe and they were going into a beautiful place in my head, looked after, and no one can ever get to them again. Wow, Beverly. We do have to stop because we could go on for a long time here. And, I, and I'm going to invite you back again because these stories are explicit. Yes. They're helpful, they're encouraging, and it's totally a reason to come back and talk a little more about your experience. And we're going we're gonna to have you back once again, and we're going to go into, you, you say, hey, Parker, here's another piece that people need to, need to hear about, and we'll, we'll, we'll do that. You know, and you'll let yes. us know. You'll tell Tiffany, and we'll get it together. I think, yes. I, I think we maybe do it on voices in the head, because the voices in the head, are, a lot of them are multiple, multiple personality voices, and none of them are the abusers, and it's a way of being able to um, evict them. That's one of the, uh, the of the nine steps. Look, I'm giving training with a DD, 
Um, my work can be, I'm training people over Skype. I've got a training package already up, ready to go. Yep. And if my envisioned mind on the website will be practitioners and there will be information for signing up. There's also information for um, coming on and hearing the first two steps and going through it. I literally go through the first two steps with you over the, on the webinar so that you can see it would work because we're working with subpersonalities trapped in the trauma in the limbic system and it has to be guided imagery because there's no language there. doesn't matter. You can talk your head off. It will not change the pictures. You can do 20 years of psychotherapy, but the pictures are still there. And that's why people don't get fully well. You've got to get the pictures out of their mind. Change the pictures. All these this pictures, all this so information are neurons firing. Nothing is set in concrete in your mind. As you know, it's aplastic. That's amazing. Take a deep breath. Everybody here, take yeah. a deep breath. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we, we just actually, what we did is we found the house, but we haven't really entered it and, and walked Whoa. around. We, I, don't, I say to people, don't go into the home. You walk around, make it three-dimensional. What condition is it? Does it need fixing? I mean, some people's houses, was, um, they didn't have one. Mm -hmm. uh, some people, uh, some, one woman had a shed with an old dying man in it. She didn't know who the man was. Oh, my gosh. Other people had dilapidated collapsed houses, and it's all fixable. Everything in your mind is fixable. There's neuron, your memories, everything, and neurons firing. They're pictures in the limbic system, the trauma and the adversity. It can all be undone in gentle, guided visualization. No one abracts, no one is screaming fits and re reliving the trauma. You meet the subpersonality or personality. You put them through the healing process. You talk to them. You give them what they want to be happy, and they're healed. It sounds terribly interesting. I mean, it's complex. You know, this kind of thing, because it's so complex, you can't talk about it in, in uh, a couple of hours. We've, we've spent really the uh, good part of two hours talking about these things, and it just winds up being so complex. But it is infinitely reassuring that there's a way to talk about this because uh, see i don't do believe it is complex now i have a nine-step formula mm -hmm. if you follow the formula which is nine steps you can do the work it's as easy as that set formula you do it i How like the way you're talking beverly you you got yep. the right thing and, and folks she's going to have that book is going to be right there on the website i can't tell you the specific number at core brain journal is going to be right now because we've had a little bit of a glitch in our scheduling system, so I, I can't really tell you right now what it's going to be. But it'll be up in about three or four weeks, and uh, <laughs> I should say three or four weeks. It's going to be up when you hear it. Yes, and you also, um, I wrote a book uh, called We Into I, which is on Amazon, which talks about my journey, and also um, three other people with DID, their journey to getting well. So um, I'll give you the URL. I'll give Tiffany the URL yeah, for that as well. That's great. Do that. All right, Beverly. I mean, I have to take a deep breath. This is heavy. Yes, I, mean, <laughs> yes, I yeah, know. I'm very passionate. I'm very uh, – uh, thank you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. I, I'm an independent researcher. I've done all this on um, government, what we call a pension here. There's no one supporting me. Uh, there's no one uh, – no – university no business no one supporting me it's my drive it's my life it's my passion and it's time that i i want to get this out to the world it's a it can be taught within six months anywhere in the world because it's as an online course with me 
there running the door and it's um you have i only have five to seven people in each group because you have one-on-one -on -one with me and it's it's all being worked out so i want to train people well i'm sure you're going to get some people here because this is so provocative i mean you think about the number of people that that are out there suffering with these problems that don't get discovered, don't have any kind of way of approaching the problem. And this is most, most encouraging. Thank you so much for taking the time. And, and we'll be back again. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. You have a pleasant evening, girl. Yes, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Cobrain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive, misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications, like those written for ADHD, are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.